Uh, let's get straight into the Word of God. It has been a difficult week for all of us, uh, but we're going to see what the Lord says to us because there's always healing in His wings. Um, let's go to Psalms, the 23rd chapter, really quickly. I heard that you've been walking through the life of David, and um, and so I wanted to kind of um, continue the flow and uh, and just stay in the theme of what what your pastor's been teaching you. Uh, so I'm going to be in Psalms 23. I will read that for you really quickly, and then we'll go, we'll go into prayer. It says, Psalms 23, verse 1, out of, I'm going to be teaching out of the NIV today. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us all say amen. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We honor you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. There is none like you in all the earth. And Lord, we know that because with this new morning was a new mercy. Everything that has been assigned to us by the enemy, by the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places to try to keep us back from what you've called us to. You provided a mercy this morning to make sure that we can overcome it. Thank you, Lord, that there are more for us than against us. And although it looks like we're in a deficit, we're depleted, we don't have what it takes to be able to fulfill your mission here on the earth. We understand that your word is yet still true, that upon this rock you will build your church. The very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you for the great man of God, the under-shepherd that you've placed over all souls and the person of Pastor Doug Bannister. And Lord, as he's serving your people like he always does, I pray, God, that your angels would be within. Pray against any accidents or incidents. We don't want to hear any bad news. We just want to hear good reports of how people's lives were changed because of what you're doing through him. And through his beautiful wife and those that are in this great congregation, I assign blessings to them. We believe it to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, we live in a wicked world, whether you know it or not. I'm not sharing that by prophetic utterance of the Holy Spirit did not teach me that. That did not come through revelation and a dream. You don't have to be spiritually inclined or plugged into some spiritual realm for you to understand that we live in a wicked, broken, and bruised world. You don't have to be Pentecostal, charismatic, or operating in the spiritual gifts for you to know that. All you have to do is look at Facebook or CNN or MSNBC, pick up any newspaper in this world, and you would know that we live in a dark in a dark world. I don't know if many of you know it, but just this morning I was texted by one of my spiritual sisters and told me to pray for Baton Rouge. I'd already been praying for Baton Rouge because of what took place just a few weeks ago that has created calamity and chaos in our communities. It's really exposed something that we know that has always been there. But I was asking, why in the world is she texting me, asking me to pray for them today? I've been doing that, had absolutely no idea. 
that eight police officers had been shot today and three had already died. We live in a wicked world. We live in a world uh, that the demons and devils and places, dark places, have come and tried to infiltrate our ministries, our communities, our families. Everything seems like it's falling apart. And if the truth be told, there are seasons and times in my life where I feel like throwing the mic down, shutting my Bible, peeling my name off the side of the church bus and walking away and giving it back to the Lord. And I'm not the only person. Many of you feel the same place. I know that you're in that same place. You feel confused. You don't know what to do. We got the heart to do it. We just don't know what to do. Word of God says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then you would be able to hear from heaven and we would watch him heal our land. But we've been doing that. I've asked many of you to come and we've prayed together when the nine were slain in South Carolina. We came together. We, we prayed when the 50 were slain in Orlando, we came together, we prayed, we've been praying, but it seems like absolutely nothing is happening good. And I, I don't know, I'm just at a place where I have become frustrated and I don't want to burn another candle. I don't want to call another prayer meeting. I don't want to pull another congregation, a quarter day of churches together to pray. I just don't want to do nothing but take a Calgon bath, pull the covers over my head and just give up. But just as I'm about to give up, the Lord reminds me that the battle is not ours. It is his. Just as I'm about to throw in the towel, the Lord throws the towel right back at me. (laughs) And says, set yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord has our back. And no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how frustrating it gets, the Lord is going to make it work out for our good. The Bible teaches us, according to Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 38, we know this. We've memorized it in Sunday school and VBS and in church that all things work together for good. Those that are called according to his purpose, those that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. It does not say that all things are good because all things are not good. When a baby is born with leukemia, that's that's not good. When your mama dies of a deadly disease that's not good when children are killed in drive-by shootings that's that's not good when your marriage breaks up that that's that's not good when you find out that you are struggling with a deadly disease that there is no cure for that's not good but but one of the things I've learned about the Lord not just theologically and not just according to doctrinal truths, but through my own personal relationships with him and experiences that somehow, some way, God always works it out for our good. You don't know it when you're in the situation, but when you get out of it and you look back, you say, I wish that would have never happened to me, but I know why it happened to me, and I'm a better me because it happened. Many of us are frustrated with God because of things that we're in right now, but if you just trust God, I promise you, if you overcome it, You'll be able to look back and praise God for it. That's what's taking place in David's life here. I don't want to go too deep historically in this particular passage because uh, different theologians are arguing about the context of, of this. But we know David is dealing with some difficulties right now. 
most theologians believe that he's in the elder, the ending of his life as he writes this. He is a warrior and he's a worshiper at the same time. He's a journalist. He always journals about what he's going through. We don't know exactly what he's dealing with in this particular, particular passage, but we know that he's going through a bad season in his life. And so today I just want to kind of read the journey of David and I want to talk to you about four things. I want to talk to you about a shepherd. I want to talk to you about a staff. I want to talk to you about a shadow and I want to talk to you about a shout. A shepherd. A staff. A shadow. And a shout. D David says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's, what's interesting about that is David himself had been a shepherd from just a little boy. Now, as he writes this, he's not a shepherd anymore. He's actually overseeing and has dominion and government over two different kingdoms. He has two different kingdoms that he's ruling and reigning over. But when he's a child, that's how he was raised up. He was raised up as a shepherd. Now, he says to us that we are the sheep of his pasture. God is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. Now, if you know anything about sheep, that's actually an insult. It's actually an insult. I wish he would have called us lions. I wish he would have called us bears. I wish he would have called us, you know, something that had some sense of significance. But he calls us sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, Dan, if, if you know anything about sheep, there's one thing that, 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 that is that is typical about a sheep. They are all dumb. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about you. He's not talking about me. Tell him that he's talking about you. That they they are all dumb. They 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 are they are dumb. They are they are so dumb that they cannot even drink from running water. Lest when the water splashes up in their nose, they'll think that they're drowning. That's why he says he leaves me beside the still water. They're they're absolutely dumb. Many times you would find multitudes of sheep laying right by rushing water and they died of thirst. Right by what they needed, but they died of thirst because they were so dumb that they thought when the water splashed up in their nose, they were they were drowning. Sheep are so dumb that they won't run from wolves, won't run from coyotes. They'll walk straight up to them. Sheep. Sheep are dumb. I guess what David is saying is we're dumb. We're dumb. What, what gets me here is this is King David who is ruling and reigning over two different dominions, but yet he considers himself dumb. He considers himself knowing nothing. The first thing that I think is extremely important for us to get into in, 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 in our spirits today is this. No matter what your intellectual capacity or ability is, how many degrees you have on your wall, whether you be a doctor or a lawyer or you reign and rule over some political place, it does not matter who you are. From God's perspective, you know absolutely nothing. The Bible teaches us that. The Bible teaches us that without the knowledge of God, without the wisdom and the insight of God, we are dumb like sheep. And can I tell you something, family? That's the best place you can be. The best places that you can be is to get to a place in God where you say, God, I've been through school. I made good grades in school. I've got degrees on the wall. I, I've, I've passed all of the tests that people gave me. But if the truth be told, I have no answer to, uh, answers at all. And I am completely dependent upon your wisdom in order for me to make it to the next place in him. And so if many of you feel like you don't know what to do in life, you don't know what to do with that child. 
You don't know what to do in this marriage. You don't know what to do with the ministry. You don't know what to do in our communities or what to do to fix what is taking place in our city and in our country and in our world. That's a good place because when you're dumb and when you realize that you cannot fulfill the purpose of God in your own inclinations or in your own intellectualism, then you know that the only answer is to get in Christ. The only answer we have, my brothers and sisters, is to run to the throne room of God and ask God, what shall we do? We're in a war, whether you know it or not. I told our congregation that this morning. We are in a war. You, 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 don't, have to, you don't have to volunteer to be in it. Baby, when you got saved, you got enlisted to be in this war. You, you are in a war, but here's the good part. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty unto God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we cannot fight in the flesh. We have to fight in the spirit. And when you fight in the spirit and you tap into the presence of God, God will give you answers to very difficult questions. David is a king. He's got a crown on his head. He's sitting on the throne. He's got concubines and wives and servants, yet he says to himself, I'm a sheep, and I need, I need a shepherd. Family, we need to go to the good shepherd. We, we, we cannot fix what is taking place racially in our communities by just coming together, having a couple of dinners, and having a few meetings. We cannot legislate a heart condition. We cannot trust the mayor or the governor or the president to fix this stuff. We, we need to go to the shepherd. And if we're waiting for the government to fix this type of problems, you're going to be waiting a long time. The Bible says this, family. I wonder if you catch this. That the Bible says that, that the government is upon Jesus' shoulder. It didn't say it's in the White House. It's not with President Obama. I don't know who you're going to vote for. Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> But, but let me tell you something. You know, you know I, I, I used to get depressed when I started thinking through who should I vote for. Am I going to vote for Trump or am I going to vote for Hillary? And God says, how about you vote for me? Because no matter who sits in the White House, the Bible teaches us that it is God that holds this world in the palm of his hands. It is God that takes the hearts of kings and turns them whichever way he wants them to be. Pharaoh can be over the kingdom, but God is still over Pharaoh. So I'm not worried about, man, who gets in or who doesn't get in. I'm not worried about that because God can veto whatever man puts on paper. The, the, the Bible says that the government is upon his shoulders. He's talking about Jesus himself. And that's, guess what else the Bible says? The Bible also says that we are the body of Christ, which means the government is upon our shoulders. We make the difference in the kingdom of God. But you can never be able to make a difference here in the kingdom, listen to me, family, until you first understand that you're dumb and that you need God. He is our shepherd. He is the one that rules and reigns and has dominion over the heavens and the earth. The heavens belongeth unto the Lord. It is the earth he has given to the sons of man. As long as we stay connected to him, doors are going to open up on our behalf. Anybody believe that? 
doors are going to open up on our behalf. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, man, look, this doesn't look like any doors. It looks like all the doors are shut for the kingdom of God. Let, let, I used to think that too. I, I, was, I was sharing that with, with my sons. I was sharing that my, with my sons about these doors. And we went, we went up to uh, Walmart the other day. And as we were walking up to Walmart the other day, we drove up. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, I, said to, I said to Azariah, I said, now we're going to get out. I said, and when we walk up to the doors, they're just automatically going to open. He says, Daddy, you, you, you're magic. I said, I'm, yeah, I am. I said, they're just going to automatically open because we showed up. And so we get up, we get up, and I'm, I'm waiting for that moment, right? I'm waiting for that moment for the doors to open. The, the crazy part was uh, they didn't. <laughs> They, they didn't open the door was was shut and I walked up again and, and it still didn't uh, we called the manager out and the manager said this the sensor must be off and so he fixed the sensor at the top of the door and then he says if you line up with the sensor the doors will open and he fixed the sensor and I lined up with it and when I lined up just as he said the doors opened Family, I'm not talking about a door at Walmart. I'm talking about the life of the kingdom of God and the believer in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you that every door we've been praying for is about to open, but we got to line up with the sensor. We've got to line up with God's plan that is up there, and we've got to stop moving forth in our own agenda and then asking God to co-sign for on it. We are not supposed to ask God to line up with us. We're supposed to line up with him. And as we line up with him, God is promised promise that the doors will open on our behalf for he sets before us a door that no man can shut and he opens and he shuts doors that no man can open but first we've got to rely on the shepherd the bible says that he is our shepherd and and, and when we have our shepherd there's nothing that we need to want he'll take care of every need that we have if the truth be told there are people in this room, you've got some serious needs. You've got some needs, and, 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 and you've got to have those needs met. Hey, have you ever been in a situation where, where your money couldn't get you out of something, or your degree couldn't get you out of something, or your relationships couldn't get you out of something? You, you ever been in a situation where, where if God didn't move on your behalf, you were going to find yourself flat on your back? You see, when, when, when a family member is in ICU and you don't know if they're going to live or die, your credit can't fix that. When, 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 when people are, are being killed just for wearing a blue uniform or just for wearing a hoodie, you, you, can't, you can't fix that. And sometimes I believe that the Lord allows, listen to this family, allows things to hit our lives to let us know that we are not God. And that we cannot build our hope on people or positions or prestige or politics. We have to build our hope on the Prince of Peace. He says, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I, I don't have to want anything. He's going to lead me into the place of still water. He's going to make me rest. But then he says this, but yea, though I walk. Everyone say walk. That was four of you. Everybody say walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, he says that although I've got your back, Daryl, although I've got your back, all souls, you are not omitted from having to walk through some bad valleys. I know you didn't want to hear that. 
I'm glad we took up the offering before I said that. But you, you, you are going to go through some difficult times, family. You're going to go through some, some, some bad situations. And I don't care who you are. You, you, see, you see, you cannot go from one mountain to the next mountain without also walking through the valley. You, you got to go through some stuff. That's why we gather here on Sundays. That's why we gather in our small groups. That's why we spend time building ourselves in our spiritual formations and getting into the word of God. I told our church this just the other week. I said, listen, when we gather together, this is not just a place to lift up our hands and have a great time and, and, and celebrate because the worship team is good. This is not entertainment. No, no. What, what, what we're doing is we're preparing for the next valley that we're about to go through. You're, you're going through another valley. You're, you're going to go through some more sickness. You're going to go through some more storms. And, and so as we come together and we take notes, we're not just taking notes for the heck of it. What we're doing is preparing ourselves for the next valley that we're going through. Let me tell you something, family. There, there is no good teacher that gives you, that teaches you all semester and then not test you to see if you got it. That's what the test is about. The test is about seeing if you were paying attention during the teaching. And some of you feel like, well, God, I'm out here all by myself and I'm going through this valley. I'm going through this test and I can't hear your voice. That's because teachers don't talk during the test. Only a bad teacher talks during the test. And so when I cannot hear the voice of God, when I'm going through my testing, what do I do? I go back over my notes of what he taught me when I was on the mountain. You're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk, not run. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not run. You see, most of the time when we hit the mountain place, we want to just hang out and relax. But when we go through these valleys, we want to run through them. But God says, I don't want you to run through them. I want you to walk through them because there's some stuff in the valley that you need. And if you run through it and miss it, guess what? I got to send you through that valley all over again. Don't run. Walk through it. I wonder if I got any witnesses here at the black church, they would have said amen right there. I wonder if I got any witnesses here. I wonder if I got any witnesses that there's some stuff you learn in your valley seasons that you didn't learn when you were on mountains. That's why you're here today. Thank you. There it is. That's, that's, why, that's why you're here today. You praise better when you've gone through a valley and God's brought you out. You worship better when you've gone through a valley and God has brought you out. Your prayer life is what it is, not because you were taught how to pray in vacation Bible school or not because you went through some seminar on how to pray. The reason you have a significant prayer life is because you prayed yourself through that valley. And so, so quit rebuking every valley that God takes you through. You need that valley to find out who God really is in your life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Everyone say shadow. He does not say, yea, though I walk through the valley of death. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. There's a difference between death and a shadow of death. I remember when my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's 21 now, but I remember when she was five years old, we, 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 well, she was actually four years old. We put her in a room, and she got her own little room, and, and back then, we was broke, so all of us was kind of in the same room, and she finally got her own room, and we put her in her own room. I thought she'd be excited about it, but she didn't want to be by herself. She didn't want to be in her own room. She was so used to being with us, 
And, and she was coming up with all types of stuff, making up all types of stuff to get back in the room, mom and daddy. I mean, she, and let me tell you something. I got four, uh, all the kids gone. It ain't cool to have your kids in the room with you all the time. Can I get a witness up here? Can I get my married people to say amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. They come in at the wrong time. Like, baby, this is not the time to come up in here. And she, uh, you know, so she's just making up stuff, making up stuff, making up stuff while she couldn't sleep. And, and my leg hurts, my arm hurts, and, and, and I, I, there's a mosquito in here. And she's just making up all types of things. And every day she would come up with something. So I ain't believe her no more. And one day she says, Daddy, she said, Daddy, it's a monster in my room. I said, girl, you better go and go to sleep. Me and mama, we, we, find, we trying to get some rest. I said, you, you, get out of here. She says, it's a monster in my room. She runs, and, she, and I send her back. And three times straight she, she tells me it's a monster, and this time she's crying. I'm like, she, she's, she's crying. So I go in with her, and I look at her wall, and there was a monster in the room. I mean, it was huge. It was, it was the size of that wall. It had eight legs. It was huge. It was moving. And then I realized it wasn't a monster. It was a little spider that was sitting up on her ledge, and the light had hit it and thrown a shadow on the wall and made it look like a monster. You know why? Because shadows always make things look bigger than they actually are. That's the strategy of the enemy. The enemy wants you to go depressed and lose your mind and pull your hair out and go great early and not good, get good sleep. And, and go into a shell because he wants you to make little things look bigger than they actually are. So when the devil tells you how big your problem is, you tell the devil how big your God is. Because whatever problem there is in this room, I promise there's a God that's bigger than your problem. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? Say it again. Of the what? Guess what? In order for there to be a shadow, Brian, there's got to be some light somewhere around. I came to preach to about 50 of you that feel like you're in complete darkness. And there's some shadows of huge things that's trying to overtake your life. Let me tell you something. There will be no shadow unless there was some light somewhere around. God is closer to you than he thinks, than you think. God is closer to fixing this situation amongst the races than we think. God is closer to us than fixing the gang violence that we have in this city and in this country than we think. I, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I need to. So you, see, you see, if you look at television, you would think that every person between the age of 14 to 35 is a gang banger and they're killing everybody and there's no redemption because all you see is Xavion and Juwan and Heal the Land and all of the fighting and the killing and all you do is hear about Pastor Arnold talking about he's burying so many people. But let me tell you something, in the midst of some pain, there's also been some promotion. There's some people, there's some great success stories. You just don't hear about it. I, 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 I need to say this, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody, but, but this, this is, a, this is a, a, a spiritual son of mine. Uh, his, 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 I know we don't look a whole lot alike. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but but, but this, is a, this is a great, a great man of God. A phenomenal gift to the kingdom of God, uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, serving his pastor, serving the community, serving the kingdom of God, a, a, a phenomenal prayer warrior. But you know what? It, 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 his, his street name was Pookie. Pookie. 
pokey. You, you know what's interesting? He spent a ton of time in prison. Was a gangster disciple. One of the largest gangs that are out there. Done all types of crazy things. But look what the Lord has done. Sitting here with a shirt and a tie being used by the kingdom of God. People would say that there was just darkness and death. But evidently, there was some light somewhere around. And so we got to celebrate the fact that God is slowly pulling things together, whether we can see it or not. He's got a shadow. And he's proving to us that although it looks like a monster, there's some light somewhere around. I'm almost finished with you. The last thing that we see in the scripture is this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? Thou art with me, thy what? Rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David says, look, look," he said, I got a shepherd and my shepherd is packing. Yeah, my shepherd is packing. You don't really want to play with me because I got a shepherd. And not only do I have a shepherd, but I'm, I'm telling you, my shepherd is packing. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy know about that. Amen. He probably packing right now, but it might be legal this time. He says, he says, he says, my shepherd calms me. I find comfort in my shepherd because of his presence, but also what he brings with him. You see that the shepherd had two or three different weapons that he kept with them. One was a rod. Everyone say a rod. A rod was about, it was about four feet long. It was many times the rod was a root that was pulled up out of the ground, and it was designed to, to fight off enemies that were close, lions and tigers and bears that were close. But, but not, oh, my. <laughs> but, but, but not only did he have a rod today, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about that staff. Because the staff was about six feet long. And that staff not only was six feet long, but it had a hook on it. It had a hook on it. You see, the rod was for the enemy. But the staff was for the inner me. Let me say that again. Don't worry about it. It used to be slow too. All right. The, The rod was for the enemy. It was that which came against me. But the staff was for the inner me. It was the enemy that was inside of me. You see, the shepherd had to have this staff with the hook on it for waywards, (laughs) sheep like us, who don't have enough sense to know that the safest place to be is in the presence of the shepherd. You see, the, 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 the lamb was so dumb that he would just walk off, walk off in the midst of wolves and coyotes and bears and tigers. He would walk straight off because his inclination was to, was to be pulled away with things that looked good. Family, we need to thank God that he has given us a rod and he's fall off all of our enemies and the enemy of sin and the enemy of death and the enemy of those that have come against us. But we need to really praise God that he has fought off the inner us. Because here's the truth. I don't know about you. Maybe you all are not like me. But if there was no devil, I'd still be having problems with me. The stuff I don't tell you about. The Daryl Arnold that doesn't hit the paper and I hope never does. 
the stuff that you don't share with the people that are sitting on the road with you. Because if they knew the real inner you, they wouldn't even want to sit on the same row with you. Aren't you glad that not only is God fighting off the things that are coming at us, but God is killing off the stuff that's lying dormant in us? It's the stuff that we're struggling with in the closet, in the darkness of our own hearts. David says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He knows that there's some stuff going on in my heart that nobody knows about. And if God, you don't pull me out of it, it's going to pull me back into the world. I talked about the shepherd. I talked about the shadow. I talked about the staff. Let me close and talk about the shout. You, you see, you see, the lamb, the sheep, they don't have paws like bears. They don't have claws like lions. They don't have jaws like tigers. They don't have poison like vipers. They're not fast like these other animals. So what is their defense mechanism? If they have absolutely nothing to come against the adversary, they don't have bald jaws, they don't have, they don't have claws, they don't have paws, they don't have venom, they're not fast. What is their defense mechanism? The only defense mechanism that they have is their cry. You see, when the, when the, when the adversaries of, of the earth come against the sheep, you know what they do? They just open up their mouth and they begin to cry. And the shepherd is so close to the sheep that he knows the voice of the sheep's cry. Aren't you glad, family, that when nobody else can help you, when nobody else can fix your situation, when your rich uncle can't get you out the jam, when the doctors shake their heads and say, we have absolutely no idea. When your mentor and your prayer partner can't fix what you're going through in your marriage or in your ministry or in your mind, aren't you glad that with nobody around, you can open up your mouth and cry? And your God, your shepherd will hear your shout and run to you and fix everything that is broken in your life. I think I just came here today to tell you when all else fails, shout. When all else fails, shout. Now, I'm about to date myself. But there, there used to be a commercial. It was called Shout. It was, it was like a detergent that got out stains. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all got white hair, too, so you know what exactly what I'm talking about. It was a detergent that, that got out stains, and, and the whole commercial was built around trying to get out these stains that nobody else could get out, and you put bleach on it, it didn't work. You put this type of detergent on it, it didn't work, and, and, and then at the end, they would spray this stuff on called Shout It Out. And when they sprayed it on, you didn't even have to rub it. Somehow, it would, it would, just, it would just disappear. Can I tell you something, family? Sometimes you can't pay it out. You can't vote it out. You can't arrest it out. You can't 
pray it out, but you can shout it out. That's why the Bible says, shout unto the Lord. Shout unto the Lord. Because when God, the lamb, when the shepherd, the good shepherd, hears the voice of the sheep, he comes running. And he fixes situation based upon his shout. I don't know if I have time to do this. But I want everyone to stand just for a moment. And I really believe we need to cry out to the Lord. I asked Lawrence if this was okay, and he said he thought so. (laughs) So if your pastor doesn't like it, blame it on Lawrence. (laughs) But I want us to take just a few moments as a body to cry out to the shepherd. I don't know how to fix what's going on. Man, if I could fix this, if we could fix this. Families of police officers would not be trying to figure out where the insurance papers are. If I could fix this. I wouldn't be afraid every time a police pulls me over. If, if, I, if I could fix this. It would be fixed by now. But we've got a God that hears and answers prayer. And if we open up our mouths and if we seek his face and if we shout and if we cry unto the Lord, he's good enough and he's God enough to come rescue us from what we're in. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run in and be safe. I don't know about you, but I want to live in a safe place. And the safest place in the whole wide world is to be in the will of the Lord. Would you grab your neighbor's hand wherever you are? My responsibility, my assignment is finished. It's on you. Because you can take as many notes as you want based upon what I said. But if we don't pray, and if we don't cry out to the Lord, he won't come running on our behalf. Did you know That chaos in a community does not get the attention of God. I, I, I didn't get this until I started studying the scripture. The Bible says that the disciples were in the middle of a storm. They was going under. And Jesus was walking on the water. And the Bible says he was about to pass them by. How can I be a disciple of you? You see me going through a storm and you just going to pass me by because storms don't move Jesus. It's the cry of his people that stops him. Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus stopped. 
He didn't stop because of the storm. He stopped because of the shout. Family, we can stop it. We can, we can smother the fire of the enemy if we would just be willing to cry out unto him. So for the next two minutes, let's go before the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to stretch you. Don't pray in your heart. Pray out of your mouth. I'm going to stretch you because I know that that's not what many of us are used to. We're used to praying in our heart. God hears my heart. Well, God didn't create the heavens and the earth by thinking it. And God said, let there be light. I'm going to ask you to pray for our community. Pray for our country and pray for our world. And I'm going to ask you to pray for the hand that you hold. Because we can celebrate that we're in a church, but we could have been at a funeral. So just for a moment, would you begin to pray whatever the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. Pray against injustice. Pray against a potential race war that is about to come. Pray that we don't have to choose sides based upon our color. That's ridiculous. Pray that not another police officer is ambushed at a convenience store and taken out. Pray that not another young man is shot dead because he was selling CDs in front of a, a convenience store. Pray that the Lord would heal our land. If you would just lift your voices wherever you are and ask the Lord to heal our land.